Hashtag SAFM Talking Point. Nine minutes after 11, you are listening to the SAFM Talking Point show. My name is Oliver Dixon. And because it's the Wednesday edition of the show, we have a health feature uh, in this segment of the show where we talk all things health-related with a specific theme each week, of course. This particular uh, week, we're focusing on advancing women's health in Africa. You know, our healthcare feature focuses on this because the problem of access to healthcare and the experience of healthcare by women in Africa, particularly black women, is still one that compromises the quality of their healthcare. Oftentimes, healthcare practitioners don't believe them. Uh, when they have access to healthcare, um, you know, they are treated with doubtfulness and skepticism. They're treated as not suitably qualified to relate to a doctor their own experiences or what's happening in their own bodies. But more importantly, um, it, there is still a conversation about how healthcare can be improved at a mechanistic level. Um, things such as where clinics are placed, how clinics operate, the clinic environment when you walk in, the doctor environment when you walk in, the hospital environment when you walk in. This all has a major impact on it. Dr. Nora Maidisa, uh, who's the Director of Medical Affairs at the Organon SA and SSA is with us to have this conversation. Dr. Maitisa, thank you so much for your time this morning. Really, really do appreciate it. Um, let's start here. How would you define the healthcare experience that African women face and experience today? Good afternoon, Oliver, and good afternoon to your listeners. Um, thanks for having me on the, on the show. Um, we know that um, in Africa, I mean, African women um, as a, a generally experience the most um, maternal death. So many women in Africa die. Um, and actually, that number accounts for half of all deaths in the world per annum. Despite many of these causes of death in women being preventable, and we know that there's underinvestment in women's health. Um, you know, sometimes it's channeled primarily to higher level facilities or to, to agencies and at the expense of primary care, especially for the rural population of yeah. women, um, leading to an underwhelming management um, of conditions of non-communicable diseases, um, especially. So, Despite the gains in advancing the health, the economic power, and the status of women in society, women still bear a disproportionately large share of the global disease burden and death, with African countries being among the nations in the world with the lowest life expectancy for women. Mm. And yeah, and that's why the organization, um, this coalition for women, Health in Africa is an initiative that is needed um, because this initiative, and I'll talk a little bit about what what uh, the Coalition of Women's Health in Africa is all about and what it will focus on. Mm-hmm. It's an initiative that uh, is aiming to improve health of women in Africa. Uh, in abbreviation, it's called COHA, C-O-W-H-A. It's a collective membership-based private health sector action platform that advances women's health on the African continent. 
focusing on key issues affecting women's health. COHA aims to ensure that all women in the continent will have access to equitable, affordable, and quality health care despite where they are uh, residing. So what, COHA, what yeah. are the factors that make uh, health care inequitable, unaffordable, and inaccessible, particularly for women? We see this, and I've just mentioned that this is seen mainly in women in, in hard-to-reach areas, in rural areas. It also happens in, 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 in some of the more um, developed um, uh, areas where it's difficult for women to access um, child care, maybe because of distance, it may be because mm. of you know, structural issues, but also it may be because of um, within the healthcare system itself, how um, the facilities, whether it's nurses, how women are treated, or the perception of women to facilities. So it's multifaceted. It's not just one, um, you know, reason why women don't access. There's really many, many reasons why women don't access um Healthcare and the COHA is aiming to remove barriers to access um, to quality healthcare for women in Africa despite where they live. Mm. Give us a call 086 000 2032. 086 How have you, as a woman, experienced healthcare uh, in? I guess on the continent, particularly in South Africa, uh, if you were able to change anything about how women access and experience healthcare, what is it that you would change? I want to hear from you. Share your story and your thoughts with us. Again, that number is 86 Also taking your WhatsApp voice notes on 614 You can tweet me at Oliver underscore speaking on Twitter, Oliver Dixon on Facebook. Dr. Maitisa, let's, I, I want to I touch on this theme um, where women require a specialist uh, health intervention often pertain to uh, sexual and reproductive health, right? Because of the just how delicate reproductive health organs are, particularly reproductive health organs of women. Um, uh, yet very little investment in research uh, and capital is directed um, on 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 a comparative basis towards that. We spend more money on cancer, HIV, AIDS, uh, more money on um, diseases that affect the human race holistically altogether, where men are affected as well. But when it comes to reproductive health, for instance, contraceptives, um, uh, you know, especially if you think about women in rural parts of and remote parts of Africa, access to ARVs, access to PrEP, for instance, are very, very limited. And that impact women a lot more adversely. How are healthcare professionals treat, uh, trained to, one, work around that destigmatization around these sort of things? Uh, you know, so when a woman comes in and it turns out that she's barren, that the doctor or the nurses don't treat her as less than woman or less human simply because she's not fertile uh, as a result of reproductive health complications or whatever the case may be. The stigma is one, but also the actual then medical intervention that informs uh, what the right intervention is often is determined by attitude as well right belief systems and all of those sorts of things is there enough work being done to dismantle that in healthcare professionals 
Thanks, Oliver. And I think that, that as I've already mentioned, there's many aspects to, to, to this uh, issue, right? First of all, to the women just to openly talk about their sexual reproductive needs, um, it, it, it can be difficult. And I think it stems from a point where we culturally, we are not educating, I mean, the culture does that this doesn't allow that kind of open conversation and it starts in the home. Um, it, we need to get to a place where a woman is able to openly, within peers, discuss sexual reproductive um, issues within the family and also be able to discuss whatever sexual reproductive um, medical needs they have with their HCP. From an HCP point of view, doctors are trained, nurses are trained, HCP, all HCPs are trained. Um, irrespective of what the condition of the patient is, to respectfully um, get the history with respect and offer um, the required service for every patient without stigmatizing them, without making them feel like what they have is an issue. Uh, We are taught that in medical school, in nursing school, so if it's done from a healthcare professional, it's an issue. I think we need to address what comes from our patients because they have difficulties just uh, discussing this. I'm a doctor by profession, all right? And just going to a gynecologist for me is such a huge thing, right? Because then I must undress and, I mean, this is my private space and I must expose it. And this mm. is very, it's, a very, it's a very common thing in women. I and mean, we need to get to a level where this is normalized. We are speaking about sexual reproductive needs uh, openly. And and this aligns very well with what COHA's aim is because the core around what COHA will do is around education. Mm. And that aligns with, with, with our organization of announced mission uh, because our mission is we want to see a better and healthier every day for every woman. Um, and this start at educating our women, empowering our women, um, teaching them about the basics of sexual reproductive, what menstruation is. I mean, you'll be surprised that a lot of women don't even understand what a menstrual cycle is except Mm. what they see on a monthly basis as menstruation. They don't understand what goes on, what why are they having the, um, the bleeding? Many girls don't understand those things. So we need to start at really basic level of making them understand when, when you see menstruation, what does this mean? Many mm. parents, as well as in the family, we need to also educate our parents to talk to their girls because what they will tell a girl who is menstruating, who is just starting to menstruate is, you should not sleep with boys, and that's what girls carry. That mm. you know, it's just about not, me not sleeping. But they don't actually go and exploit what this means. It's natural. It shouldn't be seen as something negative uh, or frowned upon. Mm. It's a natural process of the body, and this is what it means. So we need to go back to educating on basic, basic issues, starting mm. with small girls because we, we see the girls starting menstruation at very early ages and at the time that they start they, they are not equipped to understand what goes on in their bodies and um, the coalition of women's health in Africa is aimed at educating and empowering women and girls in Africa um, to understand better their health mm. and discuss health needs with their HCP.
Mm, absolutely. Give us a call. 086-000-2032. Uh, I'd like to hear from you. What has been your experience? What are the stories you want to share with us around your experience with healthcare as a woman? Um, these are very, very important parts of our conversation around improving uh Access to healthcare for women and the experience of healthcare for women. Uh, give us that call again. The number is 086 Also taking your WhatsApp voice notes on 0614-104-107. Let's go to the lines. Anonymous. Good morning. Uh, and your guest. Um, it, it's such a very important topic, which I'm grateful that you guys are discussing. Um, my experience, I'm 40 years old this year. My experience, the worst that I've ever had um, with healthcare as a woman, I was uh, about 24. I um, suffered an asthma attack and had to be taken to hospital. Um, and um, one of the things that I didn't understand um, was when the doctor just took one look at me and asked me how many children I have and if I use condoms. Wow. And I was quite taken aback by that experience because perhaps maybe it had, um, you know, significance in his, you know, uh, 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 diagnosis or whatever. But just taking one look at a person and asking them how many children they have, if they use condoms and if they use their, um, if they use uh, uh, protection when, when, you know, when having sex and what their HIV status was, it was quite um, an eye-opener for me. But through the years, I've experienced prejudice from healthcare workers because I'm overweight. And that's something that's not spoken about. One of my recent interactions with a health uh, care worker was that um, they asked me if I have diabetes, if I'm taking any medication for diabetes, taking any medication for high blood pressure or for cholesterol, and I said no. And he said to me, not yet. Wow. And this is quite depressing because I'd like to think of myself as one person who is more privileged than many other women um, in South Africa or even in Africa. And um, these experiences have been from public, from from both public and private institutions, and in the urban areas. So, if I, a person who can articulate themselves in multiple languages, faces such prejudice, then mm. how much more for women and young women or young girls who are in the rural areas? Um, that's my experience. I face a lot of prejudice. From, from from healthcare workers, be it mm. nurses or doctors. Mm. And I think mm. it's quite unfair. Mm. Yeah, thank you so much for that, uh, for sharing your experience with us, uh, Anonymous. Really, really do appreciate it. I want to ask you this maybe. Have you experienced your healthcare, has your healthcare journey experience been different with women healthcare prov- uh, professionals? Yes, it has been. As a result, I changed uh, my GP to a female. Um, that has been the best thing I've ever done for myself. Mm. Mm. Thank you so much for that. Really, really do appreciate it. Mpo and Pulukwane, good morning. Morning, sir. Mm, I, I would like the doctor to touch a little bit on the, pro, not the proliferation, but uh, the assault on women. Uh, on uh, that is brought about by the endocrine disruptors 
that we have randomly making tents in our stores, in the in the food we eat, in the uh, what you call the things, in the clothes we wear. Is there anything that uh, as a measure to stop this assault on women and as men or mm. human beings in general mm. that they can do to stop that? Because we we have allowed these things. You just had a topic about children having a certain uh, 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 symptoms of abuse, but how important are the, or what role are these endocrine disruptors that we get in our personal care products and everything, just about, just about everything that we use that mm. has an, a, 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 a direct bearing. Sure, sure, sure. Thank you so much for your call, Paul. Really, really do appreciate it. Um, Doc, do you want to respond to, to, to perhaps first Anonymous and as well as to Mpo? Um, I get the sense from Anonymous that women are often blamed for their healthcare misfortunes as their own doing, um, where in ways that they wouldn't if the patient were a man. Yes, and, and it's really um, sad to hear such Oh, Doc, Doc, uh, your your line is horrible, horrible, horrible over there. Let's see if we, we can get you on a better line because uh, that telephone line is very, very choppy. Let's take a quick break. On the other side of this, we continue the show. You are listening to the SFM Talking Point Wednesday edition of the show, and we're talking healthcare, particularly talking healthcare for women uh, in Africa in particular. How do women experience an excess healthcare, and how are, what are the ways in which we can improve it? What has been your experience? Taking your calls on 86 Doc, do you maybe want to go back to answering uh, uh, that question I had, uh, perhaps also your reflection on those two calls that we had? Your line was, was horrible. Hopefully we, we, we can hear you this time around. Dr. Maitisa, are you there? Oh, there we go. Apologies about that. Um, It's very sad to hear these narratives of women who feel after engaging with healthcare professionals that they feel belittled or they feel um, they were not treated with respect or dignity. And I think as healthcare professionals, we need to strive uh, to listen to our patients, to listen with respect, to listen with care, to talk with care with them. We really need to treat people as people and not as conditions they come with to us. And try to understand um, with compassion what their issues are. And uh, the coalition is going to be very passionate about, Mm. you know, the respect of women, just not seeing a woman as a disease they come to you with, but as a human being who's presenting to you a need that they need sorted as much as you, you know you may think it's small to to you as a healthcare professional but treat it with respect listen to them listen to their needs it's about listening and respecting whatever it is but also explaining why certain information are needed in this case anonymous is saying she's presented to a healthcare facility with a respiratory condition and she's shocked at why she's been asked about certain things that are unrelated to the mm. disease. But sometimes it's needed because the doctor is doing a holistic review. So you're not just going to walk in with a respiratory issue and the doctor just goes to your chest and sorts your... They need to, to look at you holistically. Are there other things that are maybe the reason why you're experiencing certain uh, symptoms? It, it may not just be like you, you perceive it as a respiratory 
a condition, but there may be other things that they need to look out to. And by the time you leave, they need to have sorted out all the possible conditions that you may have. But also in South Africa, I think we need to accept that we need to talk about HIV. Mm. HIV is very common. And if you leave a doctor's room without them discussing HIV, I think I will worry. Um, mm. We need to openly talk about it, offer the test to everybody um, so that we prevent deaths. Uh, I think for me, it's about preventing adverse outcomes of conditions. It's better to be asked if you would like to have an HIV test than they leave you go and to find that perhaps you, they've missed something. So allow doctors as well as patients, as women, allow doctors to explore further because they may find certain things that you may not even be aware of, but also be receptive sometimes in because mm. sometimes patients resist what they are being given. Um, and maybe maybe because of the attitude of the is it, healthcare professional. Is it, a, is it a, an education deficit? I mean, earlier on you, you spoke about how, for instance, some women and some girls don't even know what a menstrual cycle is as a result of that educational deficit. And I do want us to speak about how we then improve that. But let's take a quick break over here. Give us a call, 86 2032. Share your experience with us. It's half past 11. Let's take your news headlines with Dino Mutaung. Oliver Dixon on SAFM. You are listening to the Wednesday edition of The Talking Points 086-000-2032. What are your reflections on the conversation that we're having right now? 86 000 2032. We can also, uh, you know, share your uh, experience with the healthcare system as a woman uh, with us over there. We're taking your WhatsApp voice notes on 0614-104-107. Before we went to the break, uh, Dr. Maita, I I asked uh, the question, uh, Maitisa, I asked the question around the educational deficit. Is, and I think it may applied generically and generally to public but there is there a additional and particular deficit around healthcare when it education healthcare education at a basic level when it comes to girl children and women in particular Oliver there's many studies showing the benefit of education on girls and women particularly relating to you know reducing um, deaths in these women, improving child-child in their children, and, you know, it, it pertaining to contraception access, accessing contraception as well. So um, the more people are educated, the more they are able to access health care in general, and there's many studies to show this. So education is really key. Education is very important, and that's why we need to go back and, and really start educating our women on basic health care uh, needs that they experience on a day-to-day, sexual reproductive education, um, but also on the other end, train the uh, health care professionals to treat these different sexual reproductive women, who, I mean, women who bring these issues to them, right, to treat them with dignity and care. So education is really, really important. And as as the coalition, one pillar of this will be, you know, knowledge and research. The coalition will capture key data on the status of women in Africa and design those evidence-based solutions that will improve um, the, the health outcomes of women. And we will have awareness, create awareness through debates, through workshops, through 
through advocacy efforts um, regarding any issue affecting women. Um, and we're going to partner with uh, relevant stakeholders towards actualizing the solutions. And in, I mean, we're calling upon all industry partners. It doesn't have to be a healthcare a company that will need to partner with the coalition. We are calling upon every um, business, people, sectors um, to 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 come partner with us in in realizing, you know this dream of educating girls in Africa, mm. of improving and advancing the, the health agenda of women in Africa. It is really a critical um, pillar of our society. For, for, for us to be successful, we need to start educating our women. Mm, they absolutely. are the backbone of the society, and we need to invest um, in, in, in their empowerment, yep. not only economically, but you know, in knowledge for their health care. Give us a call, 086-000-2032, 086-000-2032. Let's speak to Dee in Cape Town. Dee, good morning. Hi, yes, good program. I've got two points. First of all, I tripped over an extension cord that my son left for me. I, I, I wounded my ribs and my hand felt broken. And I went to a public hospital and this Afrikaans doctor wouldn't give me an x-ray. He said, he saved on the x-ray. He said, no, it's not broken. Well, the handset broken, and I've had pain and problems for years now, thanks to him. And the other thing, I went to another hospital here, and I had a bladder infection. And the nurse, she actually wasn't white, she dipped the, the thing in to see if I had a bladder infection, but she didn't dip it in the solution. And I said to her, you, you have to dip it in the solution. So she said, no, 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 I know what I'm doing. Then then I saw blood trailing all the way to the loo. I had to go to a private chemist who did did it and find out that I did have a blood blood infection. And then I had to get antibiotics from a private doctor. So that didn't work. So all I want to say is the lady who was anonymous before, a doctor has the right to know if you're HIV or not because it affects him if he pricks his finger. The retrovirals make them sick for months before they, you know, better. So every doctor has the right to ask if you are HIV positive or not. Thank you so much for your call, T. Really, really do appreciate it. Uh, Dr. Nora, Nora, I want to ask you this. Uh, I don't know if you have the data or, 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 or have an idea of the data trend, but is it the case that more often than not that women are at the receiving end of medical malpractice? Thanks, Oliver. I don't have um, data to support this, um, but it, I mean, it, it may be common, and I'm not sure of the data, right? And it shouldn't be nobody, whether a woman or a man, should actually, when presenting themselves to a healthcare facility, experience any form of um, malpractice or, 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 or abuse or whatever case. They need to leave facilities um, being treated well, uh, not only for their conditions, but, I mean, the, the, the communication as well. And I think for, for such issues, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go into it, but, I mean, the public has recourse. I mean, the, the Healthcare Professional Council of South Africa, mm. um, you know, is a platform where if you are unhappy about the treatment of HCPs, you can go and, and, and report such and they investigate um, and cases like that. So it, we, we really need, I think, as, as healthcare... I think many healthcare professionals treat patients with at least the ones I've worked with. Um, 
but I mean, we we keep on hearing women, we keep on hearing stories of of mistreatment in in, mm. our, in 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 healthcare facilities, and it should not be that way. Um, and they can, I mean, contact the healthcare professional. This is the the, the body that um, is regulating the practice of medicine um, in our country, and you can. If you, you you feel you have not been treated um, accordingly, um, you know to have those. Um, yeah, and the, the recourse is there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anonymous in Eastern Cape. Good morning. Morning. You're speaking to Anonymous in Eastern Cape. I have a daughter who's 25 currently, and she hasn't been on a period. So it's been a long journey. We started to taking her to a doctor when she was um, 17, but then others were told, telling me that maybe she's a late bloomer. So we went all to the to the gynecologist, mm. and all the tests were done. But at the end, they told her that they told me that they told her that we were just standing at the guy, the biggest hospital in Eastern Cape. Then the, 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 the guy just told him that, no, you're not going to have any kids. Just from randomly, without my lot sitting with us down and doing, taking her for um, consolation, all that stuff. So since then, she's traumatized. She doesn't want to go back. So when the, the guy told me that, I started crying. Then I said, no, you're not the God. My daughter is going to have a period. One day, sooner or later, and I'm going to prove this to you. And then we went home. We just um, very praying, prayful family. So all my family, we've been praying for this, for mm. her to have a period. So since then, she has going to the doctors. She was so traumatized. If you talk of, um, tell her to, to say, okay, you're now 25, let's try something. She says, no, I was very traumatized. I'm not going to go back to the doctor. The way they treated me, it wasn't very nice. Mm. So what I did is, as a mother, I just say to myself, okay, let me try the other way. Let me give you, um, put you on pill. Maybe it's your hormonal system is not balanced. So I tried to put her on a pill, no date. Then it did a period. So she did maybe for one year, then it stopped. So if in order for her to have a, a period, I have to force her to take those hormones, uh, the, the, the family planning tablets, that's when she can have a normal period. But otherwise, they told me all the records we have or what the doctors have, they say she's not going to have a period and she started developing a beard and the voice will change. But since then, she was only 17. I tell you up to now, she's 25. There's no beard. There's no, nothing which changed. And all the stuff, it's lately, there's nothing which um, can show that she's going to have a beard or something like that of which is something which is traumatizing or even me. But as I'm saying, we uh, sometimes I just force her to take these um, family planning tablets as when she mm, can mm, have mm. So now I don't know what to do Anon in order Anonymous, for her to get... Yeah, Anonymous, we have to take a break, but I, I, I do want to uh, leave it over there. Um, I do want to leave it there as we as we head into a break. Uh, but I, thank you so much for sharing that experience of you and your daughter. Really, really insightful stuff. Um, and 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 I do want you then, uh, uh, Dr. Maitisa, to, to to have a reflection on that, um, because it's often the case that we leave me, uh, 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 
doctors or consulting rooms or hospital feeling despondent, feeling that we have no more answers now than we did before uh, that experience came forward. Um, and, 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 and whether or not that's a specific incident, particularly pertaining to uh, who the patient is or who the medical professional is or whether that's just a difficulty about the complexity of medical misfortunes uh, and people not being able to process the complexities of it quite well, both at an intellectual level and as, as well as an e- emotional level, understanding it on the one hand comprehensively, uh, but being able to process it uh, and make peace with it on the other hand and then work from that place. I do want us to, to have a conversation about that. But before we do, let's take a quick break. Oliver Dixon on SAFM. Dr. Maitisa, we, we've sort of come to the end of the conversation, but we have about two minutes left. Do you perhaps want to round off uh, and, and, and reflect on that on that uh, preamble that I let uh, into after that call just before we took that break? Yeah, um, and thanks to, to, to Dee for, for the, I mean, I think it's anonymous yeah. for sharing um, such a, a story. But I think it, 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 it goes back to what I mentioned earlier, Oliver, around a healthcare professionals using appropriate, digestible language for for the patients to understand. You can understand that medicine is, is really, when you tell somebody, for example, I'm just giving an example, if you, a healthcare professional tells somebody they have cancer syndrome, they really need to make them understand, go yeah. in detail into what that means for them, what is happening, what is going to happen, what um, you know, what will be the result, what is needed, um, and what it means for the patient in a way that that particular patient understands at the level they are at. So mm. um, we usually use medical jargon that patients don't understand, they leave confused, and we need to really start having, mm. making ourselves understand and talk at the same level uh, that the patient is, is, is for them to understand what the condition is and what you're going to do next and what they need to do on their end. Uh, we are always rushed. And, you know, I, I understand that, you know, sometimes it's long queues and people are rushing mm, to finish mm. queues. But I think we need to, you know, start just using simple language for the patient to understand what they have, the diagnosis, what it means, what the outcome of that, yeah, what they absolutely. need to do on their end in basic, basic, basic language. Yeah. Um, I think it will help educating our patients as well. Absolutely. Dr. Maitisa, thank you so much for your time and coming onto the program. Really, really do appreciate it. That brings us back to the end of the show. We continue. We're back here tomorrow, same time, same place. Take care of yourself. Enjoy the book reading.